All right, we're going to go back into the Wheel of Time. We're going into episode five today. We're at exactly at the halfway point. Uh, this episode is called Blood Cause Blood. We got a new director today. This is Sally Richardson Whitfield. She's an actress, actually. Uh, she's been around for 30 some years. As an actress, she was, uh, she was the lovely Will Smith's wife in I Am Legend. She was, uh, in Black Dynamite. But she's also been a director. She directed Altered Carbon, Doom Patrol, and she directed some episodes of Blackish. Which I'll just do a sidebar that we, Charlotte just finished binge watching Blackish, and so we watched it with her too. And I, I, that show was great. I had real low expectations for it. I have, I have low expectations for any sitcom of that sort, but I was blown away by how good that show was and how well it handled sensitive current subjects. Have you seen mm-hmm. Blackish? Not yet. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> I'll check it out. Maybe we'll do a podcast. We'll do a, a, a whitish take on blackish. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> no, it would be. That would be terrible. We're not doing that. I don't agree to this. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to start this episode out. This is solemn, James. Listeners, we're going to be solemn because we're starting out with a funeral. We've got Steppen. He's carrying the body of his Aes Sedai, Corinne. There's multiple bodies being buried. We're not just burying the Aes Sedai and the quote-unquote good guys. We're burying everybody. The, the dragon's followers and the dragon's non-followers. Everybody's getting buried side by side here. Um, and, of course, it's like a nice wheel pattern that they, ha- that they dug there. Um, those were probably Aes Sedai dug graves. I doubt very seriously that, that, uh, that the four warders <laughs> dug all those holes, uh, cause it looked like their clothes were still in pretty good condition. I'm pretty sure Aes Sedai can do such things. They can do anything they want. Um, this is a very unusual situation here too, with Stepan and his lovely blonde hair and his sadness. Uh, Warders are not supposed to outlive their Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. they, they, I don't know if they make good mention of it. They did mention it, but it might have went over everybody's heads that they're hundreds of years old. They're, they can be hundreds of years old. Um, not immortal, but the next best thing to be an immortal. Um, and warders are not. Warders are just regular guys that um, have a bond with them. Yes, James. I think being a stillborn is the next best thing to being immortal. Because <laughs> I don't want to live forever. We should try to get a stillborn on the podcast and interview them from that perspective and see. Man, I was so close to being a stillborn. <laughs> I was. The umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. Yeah, I heard about that. Do you want to talk? Do you want to go into that? Because it was an interesting story. Like you and another guy like had the exact same experience. Yeah, David Sapp from Tomorrow's Nobodies, David Forgets, the Jank crew, he started telling that story. I was like, holy shit, same exact deal. I was born blue. My mom always says, my blue little baby, you're like a smurf. And I was like, I wish I was a dead. I'm glad you lived because we wouldn't be doing this right now if not the case. Yeah, but you would have found someone else on the grift horse. Uh, but maybe if I nope. didn't exist, what if grift? No, I'm so far removed from that <laughs> that it would have been fine it would have been fine but I, I, you know i i'm putting my mind in that mind space right now i would not be on spotify there would be no intravoid 
I would have no podcast. I would just be just an average uh, consumer. I would still be writing music on that uh, four track for nobody. They would just be cassette tapes piling up over there in the corner. <laughs> so, you know, I, I personally have you to thank for that. You're welcome, as thank it you. should be said. Thank but you, me, Irish mum. <laughs> I will say the his horse days of Grift Horse, that would have sounded different if I hadn't come along and cleaned those episodes up. Oh, wait, did you do that? Yeah. Holy shit. I had no idea. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> the reason why those got sounding okay was because I took it upon myself as so I could listen to the episodes because I have sensitive ears on that high end stuff. So Same. I cut those out. I'm so glad that happened because, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on, on the Discord. I, I guess it went over my head that you um, were involved in that. I sometimes listen back to old episodes of Grift Horse and they'll read letters that I wrote that I have no memory of writing and no memory of the thing that I wrote about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm pretty cool. Was I lying or was I telling the truth? <laughs> Can I say some notes that I have for up till now? Um, Almost. Okay. You, you sit quiet, you sweet child. You keep being sweet or we're going to give you a spanking. Um, <laughs> you know, we got some severe grief here because this, this is just an unusual situation all along. It's, it's different from like a, a parent outliving their child. It's like that times a hundred. Uh, what I wanted to say before I let you go on is when they're doing their prayer and they cut to Leandrin, and she kind of closes her eyes and just does a little something with her face. I mean, what a wonderful actress. She's the best actress on the show, in my opinion. Um, the one who plays Leandrin. It, it was hard to tell if she was going along with the prayer, like, cause you know, she's tight with Corinne or if she was like, what bullshit? <laughs> you know, I can't believe I'm sitting here and listening to this bullshit. You could take it as either way. How did you take Leandrin's, um, cut to? I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, the blonde-haired red Aes Sedai. I didn't notice anything that she was doing, so I'm going to say it went over my head. Okay, well, cool. What were your notes for this uh, for this funeral? There was a woman in green, and mm -hmm. she there was singing on the soundtrack, but when she was crying, it looked like she was singing. So I <laughs> thought that was funny, and then I said... <laughs> I said I more like I said cry and Misa Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Misa stepping bad doo doo. It's a funeral over here. <laughs> and then I said the wheel of shallow graves. Yeah, yeah. They were in danger of being dug up any second by any passing wolf. <laughs> well, at first I thought because they started putting candles on there, I was like, oh, the, when the candles like burn down it will light the bodies aflame and then they will go back into the earth because they are still like it's not going to become a wildfire because they are in some sort of dirt trench but no they the candles had like a candle holder within them so it wouldn't yeah. have burned them this was just poorly dug graves yeah they could have gone a little bit deeper with those suckers um i mean they were arranged perfectly though i love the arrangement of them um and digging okay cemeteries are you need practicality not yeah. you know aesthetics 
I mean, I agree, but they're out here in the wild, and that's not really quite an issue in their world at this time. Um, there's there there's no urban sprawl happening in the world of Wheel of Time. It's quite but the opposite. Still, an animal's going to get them and start eating their bodies, and that's just right. disrespectful to the dead. Yeah, but now that we see this prayer, though, their um, their souls are going to go up and they're going to be reincarnated because that's a thing in this world. So, you know, we can wait for them next time around. The wheel keeps dragging. Yep. So the wheel drags one month later. Um, so it gives us a little cut to they've been traveling for a month. They're finally at the White Tower. Um, pretty psyched to be here. Uh, we learn that Nynaeve eats every night with the warders, uh, kind of get like a little sly look from land there. Like maybe they've been hanging out a little bit. Um, Steppen is here to deliver the ring. Uh, the fella is not doing too good. Uh, do you have any notes for their arri- for the Aes Sedai arrival upon the city when, before they actually enter the city? Yeah. Uh, Meringue says, <laughs> Oh, our, we're going back to your home. Do you still consider it your home? And she responds with, this cloak is my home. This saddle is my home. This right. bur- this brooding man besides <laughs> me is my home. And then he like looks at her and Nicole just is walking through and he she goes, man, that dude flirts with everyone. <laughs> yep. He is smoldering. Nicole walks by and says the funniest shit. She should be walking by like every five seconds and giving us commentary. I swear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to cut a little later on to, uh, they're actually in the tower. Uh, from the Aes Sedai perspective, um, we're going to skip over Matt and Rand's perspective. We're going to go straight to the Aes Sedai perspective. Um, Nynaeve is in the tower. Uh, she's being promised that they're going to find her friends and get reunited. Uh, we hope. That that's the truth because Moraine is saying these words that she promises her that she'll bring her friends to them. She also says to avoid the women in the tower and to be careful. That's a warning that everybody gives, even though these women are revered as, you know, wonderful, great healers. Even the, uh, if you remember a couple episodes back, even the white cloak was like, that wounded looking pretty nasty. You need to go hook up with a Aes Sedai to get that healed. Even he was recommending Aes Sedai. Um, these tower politics will eat you alive. What did Moraine mean when she said those words? These tower politics will eat you alive. Uh, is that a literal case there, James? Did you have any thoughts about that? I mean, it just seemed like corporate America. Well, sure, but I'm I'm trying to take her word. Like, she can't tell any lies. So I'm wondering, like, how hyperbole fits in with that type of thing i mean she can still speak in figurative speech right i mean would it be okay to be like uh you know like i i all the time will tell obvious lies on this show that you know is an obvious lie but it i'm telling it in a sarcastic joking way could i get away with that perhaps if i was an Aes Sedai? well i think that's i think sarcasm is different than metaphor and simile right i think i mean i don't know i just thought that those words coming out of her mouth it took me aback and i don't know if it took anybody else aback not 
or not, or if I'm just a literal person, which I am a literal person. <laughs> okay, then I'll, I'll maybe she means it will consume you into looking for power as these other individuals do if you get in with their way of thinking and controlling their own what's the power in this called the power the one true power mm -hmm, exactly so i think she's like stay away from them or you will become what you hate Nynaeve says they better stay away from me because because <laughs> i'm the one they gotta watch out for i like, like her she's attitude. she's getting cocky right there guys yeah she's speaking out of fear too and moraine knows it um moraine straight up with her Nynaeve's like, is anything ever going to be the same? Moraine's like, nope, it's not. You just got to accept it and move on. You can't keep saying nothing's the same, nothing's the same, because it's not. You accept it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to skip ahead a little further on with our, where we are with the Aes Sedai. Oh, yes, here we are. We got, we're preparing, stepping for the funeral. Uh, in this world, yes, sir. Oh, before there's something that they say that relates to what Matt and Rand are doing where I was like, oh, I called it. So they're seeing the false dragon being trounced through town and the village people or I guess the city folk are throwing <laughs> like food at them. And I wrote down, wow, man, they have to have good aim or they're just going to pelt one of the eyes to die. And then like the yes. following scene where we are at yep. now starts with like, oh, yeah, they – they wanted to – how was the parade? And they were like, it's fine, but you want to know what? It was all worth it to see Leandrin get pelted by a radish. I was like, yeah! And they actually showed that on scene too. Like if you go back and rewatch it, which I did, they, they do show her getting uh, – not pelted, but yeah, she gets hit with a radish. Uh, they're prepping them up for the funeral wearing all white. That's what they wear in this world when they uh, when they do prayers and when they – I'm sorry, when they do burials. In this case, he's burying her ring. Um, as we've seen plenty of times before, these rings are super important. They hold a huge importance to the tower. This eternal flame that he's putting the ring into has been at the tower for as long as the tower has been there. And that's how they dispose of the Aes Sedai, not dispose of, but what would you call that word when you honorifically... Uh, Help me out here, James, with my vocabulary. <laughs> when you... They're not uh, disposing of it. They're... I guess cremating it is what I would say. Yeah, there you go. Bringing Cremation. it back into the earth, into the cycle of making new rings. I, yeah, I think they should recycle the rings and maybe uh, hand it down to another Aes Sedai, perhaps, or oh, one of their well, apprentices. I I think be, this – no, well, this is the whole concept of the Wheel of Time is mm -hmm. things die but then get reincarnated in order to reincarnate a ring because you don't want ah. that like badness uh, established to if someone were to die or to – like you don't want to give a hammy-down ring. Like if you were to uh, <laughs> like be – you, you've said on here you were divorced once, correct? Uh -huh. Yeah. Did you take that ring and then give it to your new wife? <laughs> I did not. But that's there's a difference. Like you would take like your grandmother's heirloom and you would give that hand that down to a granddaughter and she would be honored to have that. But with the whole wheel of time concept, 
they melted the ring, and I'm guessing from that forge, they forge new rings. So, like, it's a constant recycling of this gold you got it. within this forge. You got it. See, that goes over my head. You got it, man. Thank you. Uh, before that, we got, we learned about how Corinne and uh, Corinne, I'm sorry, and Stepan met. Um, Maxim's talking about how this is his family. I thought this was just straight up the perfect scene uh, mm-hmm. when you know Stepan approaches the fire, teardrop coming from his eye. It was just a perfect scene all around. They used it for the trailer of the show. Like this is how they introduced the show, I believe, was with this scene. This is like the first thing that any Wheel of Time reader saw was like this scene of Stepan kissing the ring and putting it in the fire. And yeah, it was a moment. I when Franklin passed away a cat who best friend of mine i couldn't throw away a box he slept in with without like i would start thinking about it then just break down i don't know how he could do the ring thing so close like th- <laughs> it was a day since this happened i don't buy that it's been a or month. he's just much stronger than i am <laughs> it's been a month remember um, a month has passed oh. between the oh. funeral in the time they've come to uh, the White Tower. I totally missed that. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, And yeah, after that happens, Lan and Moraine share a moment. Again, completely silent scene. They don't say a word to each other. But they, they they, it's clear that they share a bond, that their brain and their emotions are as one. So these warders, again, they're not immortal. They don't necessarily get any special powers from being a warder. They just get the honor of protecting an Aes Sedai, but also having that brain bond with them. And that's that's worth something right there. Mm-hmm. And if I do be mistaken, that's, that's the last we're going to talk about the Aes Sedai here. We're going to move on to our buddies Matt and Rand, if we may. So again, this is one month later. So Matt and Rand have been traveling as well. They've been traveling with this uh, group of people that are probably all going to the same place, to Tarvalon. Tarvalon is like the New York City of this world, basically. <clears throat> Matt, who has a, you know, a strong affinity for kids and for his sisters back home, is not having any shit with these kids He's snapping at him. He's being a real jerk and he's looking worse and worse as time goes on. Um, Rand's pretty worried about him too. You can tell, uh, Rand claims that he's seen this mountain before, which we know is bogus because he's been tending sheep all his life. None of these people have ever left two rivers. Uh, they enter Tarvalon, this huge immaculate city, beautiful clothes. Uh, Rand immediately gets something to eat. Matt's not hungry. Matt just wants to lay down and go to sleep. Uh, I was telling you earlier, sometimes, you know, a, a depressive person can go through times where they just, nothing matters to them. They can be mm-hmm. surrounded by the most beautiful city, interesting food, things you've never seen before, and you just could not care less. All you want to do is just lay down and just be left alone. That's where Matt's at right now. Uh, you on, have been it so far? Uh, so on uh, Gelmania, Brett Gelman, 
and I think he also did it on Meltdown, the nerd melt, whatever it was called on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. He had a bit where he's just like, I'm not doing well. And then just like progressively gets like more ridiculous of not doing well. And all I could think of, I'm not doing well. I puked up a bat. I'm not doing well. Magic plagued with darkness oozed from my tear ducts. I'm not doing well. Yeah, man, the, he's he's been through some stuff. Absolutely. He just wants to be left alone at this point. So, yeah, Rand leaves him alone. I may have murdered a family. I'm not doing well. That's right. I don't have that written down, but that is a huge point to go into that I was thinking about, but just for some reason, it did not make it to pen to paper. Um, we didn't see that Fade kill that family. We didn't see Matt kill that family. What we saw was Matt standing there and a dead family around him, and then he points his blade to a Fade and... That's when our scene begins. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sure that Matt did not do this because his blade is clean. I went back and watched, and that's a detail that we have to, you know, take into consideration. His blade was clean. Even so, this this is a pretty kooky world where all kinds of stuff can happen. So we're not quite sure <laughs> if Matt is... He's not sure if he killed the family or not. And just the fact that he's questioning it and Rand has to reassure him. Rand wasn't in that room. We weren't in that room either. So all Rand is doing is just blanket reassurance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because maybe he's just snapped all their necks. Exactly. Yeah, he... <sighs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about this this season not season one episode one matt and like how much i loved him like in that first episode and how great of a character he was and then trying to picture him uh snapping little kids necks it doesn't do well for my brain someone that is in sean marciniak's twitch streams r2 shelby Two. shout out to them they were interested in this wheel of time podcast and i believe she said Like, oh, I watched a few episodes, and all I know from this in the books is Matt is my favorite character. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think every poll that I've seen of Wheel of Time, he he pretty much comes out on top of every one. No, thank you. I'm I'm right now uh, a Uh, Gwaine. Yeah, you're you're a TV show watcher, which totally makes sense. Um, Based on what we've seen, I I can't (laughs) I can't fault you for that. Oh, also. Number one truly is the dark one. You haven't even met the dark one yet. He's just an idea at this point. You're like an, you think an idea of a dark one is better than kooky Matt? Well, I'll say the idea of the dark one's better than the opposite of darkness. And we'll get into that later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Rand is like not, he's, he, Rand doesn't want to lay in the room and sit in a bed. He wants to go see this crazy city he's in. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets more than he bargained for. He goes to the library because that's the kind of dude Rand is. Uh, meets an ogier in there named Loyal, uh, larger than life fellow. This guy is played by, you're going to love this guy's name, Hamad. <laughs> I think his last name is Animation. A-N-I-M-A-S-H-A-U-N. Animation. <laughs> He's a stage actor, obviously. Uh, 
so he's done like a lot of Shakespeare. And I believe this is like his first Televaz role. Hell yeah. Uh, as loyal. The, not Ogre, but Ogier. We learn a little bit about Ogier here that they, uh, normally stay in a steading. Um, this fella here, Loyal, is just out for adventure, out to meet people. He loves oddities like this fella, Rand, who looks like an Aielman, but Rand's like, I'm just a dude. I'm not an Aielman. An Aielman who looks like an Aielman who denies he's an Aielman. Uh, yeah, we can go in circles with that. Uh, any thoughts about Loyal or Rand at this point? I did have after, you know, he says all of that. He says, that's odd. I like oddities. I really enjoyed this dude. Yeah, he's, he's another book favorite as well. This, uh, this Loyal. Uh, what was I going to say about him before I went on? Oh, oh yeah. They were he, talking about, I'm, you, you go ahead. No, you're probably going to cover it. Okay. Well, I was going to say they, he picked up the book of Jane Farstrider, who is another one of our, uh, legends. This is not the first time we've heard the name Jane Farstrider. Um, it, it was kind of a clumsy way to introduce the book in this scene, but I'm glad they introduced it anyway, because it comes up a lot in the book. The book of Wheel of Time, everybody loves the book of Jane Farstrider. What were you going to say? So uh, he sees Matt down there, Rand does, in the streets walking, and he's like, I got to go. And Loyal says, man, you humans are always in a rush to do things without being prepared for what you're getting yourself into. But you already established, like, you, they grow faster and live far less than you do. We have to be in a rush because we're <laughs> always almost dead. Exactly. You're exactly right. And did that, uh, did you watch Star Trek at all? Either Star Trek Next Generation or Deep Space Nine? Uh, I probably have consumed a lot of it, but only because my dad watched a lot of it. Okay. I, I watched a lot of it, um, doing like night stock <laughs> at grocery stores. And that's what we would wa watch during our, uh, our lunch break, which for our mm -hmm. lunch break was, you know, 3 a.m. But I don't know. It was something very Star Trekky about the way he was kind of talking and chuckling to himself after Rand walked off mm -hmm. that I couldn't help think about maybe Worf or something. Maybe that's who he reminded me of. But there's a parade coming through town. We're, we're going to kind of cross stories here because this is when the Aes Sedai are coming in and uh, Loyal and Matt and Rand are watching them come through town. what they call the false dragon parade um that boot on the horse is a signal to people that an Aes Sedai has fallen in battle so this this town is like this town this city of Tarvalon is also where the white tower is which is where the Aes Sedai center is so everybody is very um Aes Sedai friendly Aes Sedai familiar in these other towns outside, like Two Rivers, I said I are these legends that nobody really knows about. Around here, everybody knows about them, and they see a, a boot on a horse, and they know what that means automatically. Um, people are throwing shit at the false dragon, as we said. Uh, Leandrin got a piece of that. Uh, we see Loghain uh, peek up at Matt, start cackling wildly, uh, Matt looks unnerved as hell, but Rand does, Rand seems to miss the whole thing. So I'm not sure if this happened in Matt's head, if this really happened or not, but you know, definitely Matt and Loghain had a moment there. 
Mm-hmm. Another person that Matt saw out the window that Matt spied that we didn't talk to, but if you look at the uh, closed captionings, uh, he saw Padane Fain, Padan Fain, the peddler down there in the crowd too. Did you catch him? No. Yeah, he was down in the crowd, uh, walking around a little bit. Um, they zoomed in on him at one point, so it was no secret. I'm not pointing out anything I shouldn't be pointing out. Yeah, the peddler was there too. So he's come a long way. I mean, he came from the two rivers the same time they did, like with the Trollocs. Now mm-hmm. he's here in town. Which might smell disastrous. Right now, it just smells like a lovely city. <laughs> I meant to say spell disastrous. <laughs> okay, so here we got, uh, before we leave this scene, we got Rand, I'm sorry, we got Matt pleading with Rand for his sanity, basically. Telling Rand, don't let me end up like some weirdo like that. Please, Rand, please, please promise me, promise me. Rand's like, okay, I promise you. What about me? <laughs> Matt's like, whatever, sure. <laughs> Uh, did you believe that Matt would uh, watch out for Rand the same way that Rand would watch out for Matt? Yeah, I because he's I think he's down to stab someone. <laughs> yeah, I guess he would be. I don't know. It I totally got the vibe that um that Rand likes Matt more than Matt likes Rand. Mhm. I'm trying to see if that's the last time we see our fellas here. For this episode, anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that is. W- did you mention that the false dragon was laughing at Matt? Yeah, yes. And we okay. don't know if that actually uh, actually happened or if it happened in Matt's head. What's your take on that? I think it actually happened. Because even thought... if it happened in his head, it still really happened. I think there was a connection yes. with the two. Absolutely, there was a connection, but I, I don't think that it actually, I don't think anybody else saw that except for the two of them, because when mm-hmm. Rand, um, looks at Matt, looks back at Logan, Logan's just has, still has that blank, sad look on his face. And I think all that cackling would probably have, like, prompted the Aes Sedai or somebody in the crowd to be like, hey, shut up, what are you laughing at? You know, so I th- think that was a moment that happened in his head. Yeah, they start pelting things at him. They were doing that well before this scene. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's get to the saddest, just most infuriating scene in this episode so far. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to be talking about the White Cloaks and the Tuathan, the Tinkers. Do you prefer to call them the Tuathan or the Tinkers? What do you prefer? The Tuathan, because that's what they call themselves. Correct. All right. So they're traveling with Perrin and I'm going to start that over again, of course. <laughs> we come in with Param and Perrin and Aram philosophizing about this and that. Uh, we catch the gist that these guys are, if not veget, if not vegan, they're at least vegetarian because mm-hmm. Perrin's complaining about eating turnips and the dogs get to eat meat. So yeah, the vegetarian types. As they're uh, walking through, Egwene comes up kind of playfully and happily grabbing onto the guys. Um, she's psyched. She can sense Rand's presence in the tower. She knows he's there. So, you know, everybody's pretty excited. And then the friggin' Proud Boys show up. The White Cloaks come. 
they want to just question the two often, but he catches whole, catches eye of Perrin and Egwene, and he remembers them. The Tuathan claim Perrin and Egwene as their own. They stand up in their own way to the White Cloaks. They're not going to fight them, but they're not going to let them get past. They form a wall. Friggin' dickhead Valda punches my favorite woman, Isla. How dare he, motherfucker, <laughs> gives her a bloody nose, and then they pretty much go to town on these guys. Um, Aram lets us know offhandedly that the White Cloaks would never kill a Tuathan, but they'll beat the shit out of them. <laughs> His will words that. was, they, they are bastards, but they will not kill us. Yeah. Which I agree with half of that anyway. I, I don't know about this vault. guy doesn't seem like he would stop at anything. Uh, they pick up on Perrin and Egwene pretty quickly. Um, it seems like Aram is leading them to safety around some pretty cool, like rock carvings. Um, there's all kinds of like hints of the past world that we just catch glance of. Like we see seconds of, you know, uh, something that we know was significant 300 years ago. And now it's just part of the, uh, the forest scenery. Um, so Aram attempts to save them. He does not. They catch one of them, take them back to the camp. Which uh, I will say they should have just like went up to the leaders because they see that they're about to start punching their friends and then they're like, oh, we need to leave or we'll get punched. No, like say, hey, hey, you want to know what you can take us without force? That's fine. Yeah, they were kind of following Aram's lead here and Aram was leading them away. So you. I guess you could kind of blame him a little bit for that. Yeah, I guess. He's, he is definitely a too often. He was born into their culture, but you can tell he's kind of got his feet in both worlds a little bit here. Uh, Valda puts on his sleeveless shirt for whatever reason, just to look cool. And he to, does uh, look cool and hot. He does, uh, but he doesn't look cool. He's always like eating piles of food I guess just to let us know that he's just a bastard. Um, he's got Egwene and Param tied up. Um, well, well, he doesn't have Param tied up yet. He's got Egwene. You can see there's blood on the ropes. So this is like the Aes Sedai, like torture chair that she's sitting in. He's blaming her for being an Aes Sedai. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that, she gets basically assaulted by these guys, scrubbed down head to toe, and they... Uh, comb out her braid, which she's super proud of her braid. They mm-hmm. viciously assault her, in my opinion. In in an it, attempt, no, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So they, uh, it, it, there's no like visually she is being assaulted, and that's how she is is seeing that. There isn't j- just for you know like trigger warning, content warning stuff. There's nothing really happens. Like she seems relieved when they like put on her clothes and they're like, Hey, now you're decent. Thank you. But the fact that they are using hard bristled brushes to it's just violent. And then on top of that, when he's eating, he is using a knife as a fork, like a sharp ass knife. This man is disgusting and violent. Correct. 
we didn't see the opening scene when Egwene was being bathed by the women's circle to do her river stint in the first episode. But I think that would have been a really good, like side by side comparison mm-hmm. of how, you know, the women's circle treat their women and how the white cloak treat their women. Well, also we see that they have like, they're, they're, you know, like the harder loofahs, but they still had that. It would have been much better than, Oh man, just, uh, it makes my skin crawl. Just thinking someone is scrubbing me with any bristle. That was yeah. That was a tough scene to watch, and they they captured it really well uh, with the cinematography. It, you and I are both like like I think sen- sensitive people, and, and mm-hmm. it definitely worked. It's not a scene I want to go back and rewatch. <laughs> um, they, so they got her. T- he has her tied up, child Valda. He's a sweet child too, isn't he? <laughs> um, brings in Perrin. He's tied up. Uh, even though Egwene. Uh, is completely in a powerless position. She still has power to her and she stands up as much as she can to Valda in this situation. She defers to him somewhat. She stands up to him a lot. Um, Valda's got them in a no win situation, basically. Uh, starts doing the torturey thing to Perrin and this. I got to tell you, like the way he treated Egwene and Perrin in this scene, the way all of them treated Egwene and Perrin is basically nothing. They see they the white cloaks probably view them as coddling (laughs) this couple because Mm -hmm. what they normally do is burn people alive, um, you know, whip them, sever their organs while they're still alive. They're anything to get an answer to their questions. So this is horrific what they're doing, but it, it's very small potatoes compared to what could be happening, I guess, if they were indeed Aes Sedai. We're going to end our episode and end the scene with with this scene, unfortunately, because we're right at the halfway point. What Valda does here is he uh, stabs Perrin in the back. Doesn't stab him in the back. I'm sorry. He slices some um some pattern on his back with an alcohol-soaked knife. And we, the viewers, can see Perrin's eyes change into this golden kind of elusive color. Mm-hmm. Nobody else sees that except for us. Um, Valda, after doing this, <laughs> does the typical James Bond villain thing. We're like, I'm going to leave you guys in the room here alone and with no guards so y'all can talk about how y'all want to get out of this situation. Um, I thought that was a little, it was, it was not a great way to end the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. do you have any way to jump in here to, to save face, James? Yeah, I got some, some, one, this dude's like, oh, it's for the light, this and that, which may, which reconfirms and reaffirms, I should say, mm-hmm. my love of the dark one. The Dark One's not doing this kind of stuff to our main characters. He's just looking for them. <laughs> he sent Trollocs after them to kill them. <laughs> no, to scoop them up and say like, hey, I'm going to – I might drag you by the hair, but that's because <laughs> I don't know the love and tender care that I should be giving to someone that needs to go to the Dark One. But another thing is I don't know if this is the sim- symbolism they're trying to convey – in demonology, 
when you get a like you'll you'll see a claw mark on you all of a sudden and it's a claw mark just of three claws mm-hmm. that was the pattern that he put on Perrin's back yeah. so it either is us letting or letting the audience know that this man is bad like he is a demon in this world or it could be a symbolism of a like the dragons have like three claw marks maybe that's what they're giving us or if he is some type of werewolf i don't know what we've been seeing with him hanging out with these wolves it could be something of that sorts i don't know wait are you saying uh that valda's the werewolf or that parent is the werewolf parent is okay right uh, yeah, there's plenty of stuff to back that up. Um, all the times that we would see Perrin sitting around the fire, you would always hear wolves in the background. And he had that moment where the wolves licked his wound and the wolves were chasing them and leading them to the Tuathan. I, I think that all adds up to a, to a pretty uh, surmisable point. We're going to see something cool. I know it in the coming episodes. I hope it's resolved of what is he? Yeah, same. Uh, I didn't see those more. I've watched this episode a few times, but like I said, I'm very sense, (laughs) sense sensitive, I suppose. So I did not see these three marks you were talking about. Um, He slices them in just mm -hmm. three lines on the back. Right. Okay. Yes. That's correct. I thought I seem to remember him doing like one vertical and two horizontal, but I could be completely wrong about that. I have a tendency to mumble things up in my brain. I didn't have my blue blockers on, so I (laughs) I saw it as clear as day. Well, that is where we're going to stop this episode because we are about 33 minutes into episode five of Blood Mm -hmm. After Blood. So we're going to pick up next time right here at 33 minutes in and we're stepping in halfway through we just finished watching um Perrin and Egwene get left alone in the tent by Valda to uh talk over who's gonna <laughs> they're gonna agree who's gonna die with a handshake apparently uh so can I say something yeah. about that scene because I rewatched a little bit yeah. of it to lead in it comes back up yeah when she says, I'm just a girl from a mountain village. Nicole and I both went, I'm just a girl <laughs> from a mountain village. <laughs> shout out to No Doubt. No Doubt shout out. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to start with the scene with uh, Nynaeve getting a knock on the door from Steppen. He's okay. uh, wanting a little bit more of that stuff that she gave him earlier. It sounds like he's getting some weed. I have one more comment. It's very quick at the end of oh, that yeah. scene when they pull out his gag on Perrin. It, it's like wipe his mouth off because there was like this huge, disgusting <laughs> glob of spit yep. on him. And I'm like, Ugh. I think that was intentional to make the scene look grosser than it had to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, I don't like it at all. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, Steppen's asking for some more of that stuff that helps him sleep. Um this is a good scene to rewatch because you you figure out that he's not actually getting that stuff for himself to get some sleep. But that's the lie he's telling Nynaeve here anyway. Um, Nynaeve also reassures him that the pain, don't worry, the pain will never go away. 
<laughs> so she she's like, oh, yeah, it's goat's tongue. It's mm-hmm. an herb, not real goat's tongue, which goat's tongue is bottom leaf, and bottom leaf is that sticky, icky, dank shit, <laughs> and people love getting high to it. It's the totally hobbit, indica. Yeah, the hobbit is just full of stoners, guys. That's yep. why they're so carefree. Uh, yeah, blowing those giant smoke rings around, those dope rings. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> why they have so many meals. <laughs> Yep, well, she gives him a nice big dose of some super indica, some super fat stuff that that can totally knock you on your ass, as we'll find out later. Mm -hmm. Um, She goes in the hallway, runs into Leandrin of the Reds. Um, (sighs) Yeah, okay, love the actress, hate the character, right? Yeah, but also, you were told, ma'am, to not talk to any of these people here. (laughs) Especially her. Yes, and then you are like, oh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, she seems, like, reserved and, like, I don't think – I'm going to be friendly here and not really go with you and <laughs> give you more than what I should be go giving. But it's like, oh, see her? Uh, I have diarrhea. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> but then she would probably be like, well, I'm an eye to die. I can cure the diarrhea and make that solid poop in you. <laughs> do you think they could do that? Absolutely, yeah. It, oh, I, I need to live in this world, guys. I know. You need to live in Tar Valon and have like easy access to an Aes Sedai. If you live like in a mountain village, then you'd have Nynaeve, the wisdom, and she, quote unquote, couldn't channel. But, you know, she did know every herb for any ailment. And she, like she describes in this episode, how she could heal anybody of pretty much anything. She's okay. got your back. This is the deciding factor. Is the Dark One able to heal? Oh, the Dark One. uh, Absolutely. The Dark One is powerful. He's a powerful channeler. I mean, so, yes. All right, but I'm still on the Dark One side. He can make (laughs) me have solid poops. So, all right. I don't need to go over to the Aes Sedai. I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to go. Okay, actually, I'm going to pause that because we're going to. Go into Steppen later. Actually, no, we'll go ahead and talk about it now. When Steppen and Land are chit-chatting later on in the episode, and he's uh, got those action figures up, and he's talking about how they're like, you know, the uh, he's trying to keep away the the Forsaken is what he says. And he has all these little action figures up there. And he explains that, like, each of the Forsaken was granted whatever they wanted in exchange for being the Dark One's minions, in exchange for immortality. So it sounds like if you were to be one of those Forsaken, it sounds like that's probably what you're aiming for is be one of the 13 Forsaken. Because um, that's, you know, that those are like his uh, his or hers, like, left-hand group. Except he's got 13 instead of just one. So, so mm-hmm. when I worked at a corporation, I was a supervisor. So it went like... Level two, level three agents, then supervisors, assistant managers, then manager. Right. I sat right next to my manager as a, as a supervisor, and she would be like, man, I, it would be great to just if, – if I was able to have an assistant and just hire you. And I was like, please do that. I want <laughs> to be a personal assistant. So I don't think I would want to be a Forsaken. I would just love to be the personal assistant to the Dark One. That's what the Forsaken are, basically. 
they they're 13 assistants. They all have their own way that they're trying to aid the dark one. But this seems more like, hey, go out and do your shit. Right. I am the person who <laughs> helps schedule their day, get them lunch, field questions so they're not bogged down with not actually urgent bullshit. I, I think, oh, man, that would have changed the entire outcome of the whole series, I think, if we had shoehorned you in there as the, uh, well, I mean, it's not too late. I mean, the wheel is still turning, so maybe the next turning of the wheel, the Dark One will have, you know, that by his side. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest, when I was in that department, things ran smoothly, and if I would have just been a dedicated <laughs> uh, personal assistant, we would have smashed things out of the park, so... If any company were to hire me, like a podcast company, anything, a studio, I'm going to make sure we are the best podcast company or best studio I can make you. So if I were the Dark One's assistant, there would be no <laughs> failing. We are doing shit and getting things done. I, I mean, I'm a pretty organized person myself. I think I could... Uh... I think I could still work with you because it, it kind of feels like that. Like I'm working on the side of the light, you're working on the side of the dark and we're both working together here. I mean, everybody needs an ambassador and sometimes, you know, we have an ambassador to countries that we're enemies with. So I don't know. I think you and I could be good ambassadors, you know, for the light and the dark to maybe, you know, get some shit done. Well, you just made a proclamation on, uh, instagram that hey we're done with these ads if yeah. i were the dark ones assistant you better believe like military style air force the <laughs> army reserve propaganda even though it's not propaganda for us of hey join the army of the dark one become a what's that one lady who was the bartender what kind of thing was she dana you mean she was a dark friend a dark friend yeah hey guys be a dark friend <laughs> I no, I'm not even doing ads that that benefit me. So I'm definitely not going to do any ads that benefit the dark one. What what are those people with no eyes, only teeth? Uh, <laughs> the eyeless, the fades. fades. Okay, hey, you want to know what? You're a dark friend. You can work your way up in this company and eventually become a fade. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Join now. And then you cut to like a shot of them going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's some personal, uh, what do you call, personal stories, personal anecdotes from real fades who joined at the introductory level. And then, yeah, it is just like. <laughs> Man. All right. We're going to continue on. I love this. Uh, we're going to switch over to Matt and Rand because we're going to get ready to conjoin our stories here. Um, Can I say a a couple quick things about oh, them yeah. uh all i have left is all i have left of her is the pain is yes. something that that guy says about the i said i dying and i was mm -hmm. like that's some commander venus type lyrics commander venus yes it, <laughs> it it's a one of connor oberst's first band they like pioneered the emo sound word okay um, yeah, went over my head. I'm sorry, James. I have nothing, nothing to declare at this point. <laughs> have we gotten to, to that disease? Oh no, we were about to get to that. Okay. never mind. Now we're good. Yeah. We ain't got nowhere, but we have gotten to Matt and Rand hanging out, uh, loyal bangs on the door, uh, 
<laughs> talking his slow, funny talk. I love the way he talks his, uh, his mm-hmm. over top of what's happening in, in the room. Um, he found the friend, Nynaeve. Uh, note, it was not Moraine that brought their friends to Nynaeve. It was Loyal that brought Nynaeve to the friends. Um, we see some joy in Matt, Matt's eyes, and he declares, you're alive, and he looks happy about that. Um, I was happy about that. He does not look healthy, though. He no. looks like early <laughs> Romero zombies, where it's like, well, yep. we don't have a budget, just like splash like powder on their face. That's what he looks like. Yeah, uh, believable as well. I mean, it's not like too mm-hmm. overdone. I mean, it looks right on. Um, she, he won't let her look at his tongue. Obviously there's, you know, he, we know he's got issues. We don't got to go into that. Um, he turns very angry at Nynaeve. Uh, Nynaeve and Rand confer as a couple Two Rivers folk doing their, uh, your reasonable thing. Um, you know, Rand's been taking good care of Matt after all. Everybody wants to avoid Aes Sedai at this point, including Nynaeve, um, that's like the general vibe of everybody is like, let's, let's just get out of here and handle this ourselves. The two river way. Nynaeve then tells a story. Okay. Before I go into this fresh in your mind from two episodes back, James, do you remember Nynaeve healing land, healing everybody in the room, the power of the sun, she's shining. She tells a story about Egwene um, as a young girl dying mm-hmm. And getting ready to die. And she says that she grabbed Egwene's hands and prayed. And then what do you know? Egwene was fine. Um, that's something that, uh, that also happened in the books. And it also completely went over my head in the books. <laughs> I didn't even make the connection until I actually watched the show. And that's when I made the connection. Like, holy shit. She was the one that cured Egwene mm-hmm. of breakbone fever. It was her. And I didn't, uh, he read it and su- wrote it in such a way that, it wasn't as obviously put together as it is like in a TV show where you can draw clues from everything. Also that the, the fact that within 30 minutes, you're getting this story from when, or I guess more like within 40 minutes, if you were to binge watch all of these episodes, you're getting her doing that. Like, pew, I healed everyone (laughs) to now her telling that story. I'm guessing it wasn't, 30 minutes 40 minutes worth of reading from that event to this story yeah jordan was great at like spacing it out over the span of books Mm -hmm. so you'll forget stuff and that kind of the the way i read wheel of time like as slow as i do is sometimes i open my book and i have no idea what i'm opening it to or what chapter i'm at or what's going on but i just enjoy the character interaction and you know you figure it out as you go but yeah, you can just pick it up anywhere and crack it open and read a page and you'll find something crazy. <laughs> is this crab leg disease, is it a <laughs> thing in this, like, do multiple people have it or is it just for this one event? All we know about is just Egwene. Okay. Um, it, but, you know, it's common enough that it has a name. So, you know, it has happened to other people, obviously. Nicole um, was yeah. watching during this and this scene made her go, I'm, she didn't say it, but visibly she's like, I'm leaving. I don't want to hear about this. This sucks. <laughs> it's the, it's the Bruce Willis story. Unbreakable is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you hear about his, uh, the, the whole taking back of his Razzies recently? No. Yeah, this is kind of a sweet story, I think. You know, the Razzies, they like, you know, they fuck with everybody. They give you awards for like, <laughs> in a snarky sense. You're obviously yeah. familiar. So they gave an award. Um, 
to what was her name Shelley Duvall perhaps for The Shining they gave her a Razzie for her performance in The Shining uh, because she was just so over the top and like nutty in that in that movie they rescinded her Razzie once they once it came out that Stanley Kubrick was kind of a bastard and you know abused her on set and did all these kind of weird methods to get her to perform. Mm -hmm. They took back her Razzie. They're like, oh, she was acting crazy because she was being abused. So we can't make fun of that. Yeah. So Bruce Willis won a Razzie last year or this year for a performance. And the reason he won his Razzie was because he, his acting was really terrible and he seemed like he was out of it. And so he won a Razzie for that. And it was rescinded almost immediately when they found out that he actually has like a disease yeah. and he's been, you know, having to struggle through this. So, you know, the Razzies might be bastards, but they're, you know, they'll take it back if they have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the Razzies in concept when it's like, hey, we're, we're making fun of these like big budget bullshit movies. But when they start going after like indie stuff, mm -hmm. it, it's like, oh, you, you've lost your way, Razzies. But <laughs> I, I, they should have then given Shelley Duvall's to like a lifetime achievement award to Stanley Kubrick for just putting out shit <laughs> after shit after shit. God, he's never made a good movie. God, I really enjoy watching his movies despite his bastardness. <laughs> I, even before I knew about his bastardness, I, I, I hated his movies. It's just not your speed. It's fine. I, I, I love your distaste of it. It pleases yeah, I'm me. On, I'm on a higher level than, you know, the, the mm. people are like, you, you're not smart enough to understand. And I was like, no, I think you're gullible enough to think it's high art. That's yes. the real thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, while this is happening and then uh, Nynaeve and Rand are, are bonding, uh, Moraine and Leandra have a little run in the hallways talking about our girl Nynaeve. Um, will she be a yellow? Seems like it because the yellow eyes. The yellow Aja are all about healing, and she obviously is a healer. Um, a red, perhaps, because she has kind of like the attitude of a red Aja. Um, it's pretty clear Moraine's trying to cock block Leandrin from even hanging out with her. Uh, yeah, any thoughts so far before we go on with Moraine? Nah. Okay. Then we get Moraine and Alana chit-chatting in the bedroom. Um, they're talking about the water bond and stepping. And, you know, of course he's in a bad spot. Uh, we it, It's pretty clear that to us viewers that nobody really knows what Moraine is up to when she's out there. And it's also clear that she has a couple of enemies in the tower. Leandrin is like, they're talking about how Leandrin is like gaining followers in the tower and how the, um, the Armorillon seat is... Uh, displeased and people aren't liking the way she's running shit. But at the same time, the Armorland seat doesn't like Moraine because Moraine's never around. So it, a lot of politics happening here. There's different sides, but it seems like Alana is trying to push Moraine up to like, you know, watch out, but you know, you're pretty powerful too. I mean, maybe you could make a power move here. Um, so yeah, I said, I are always talking their tower politics. Do you have any thoughts about their, uh, their sneakiness in their politics, James. Not on that, but I remembered when uh, Leandrin, I think, is the blonde-haired lady. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's talking to Nanive, and is saying, hey, 
even though women hold the one power, men still control most aspects of life. Mm. And they hate when they sense a woman even slightly stronger and more powerful than mm -hmm. them. And it, what's the dude who wrote these books? Uh, Robert Jordan. He clearly listened to his wife and like, <laughs> like intently was down for a cause or just just paid attention and had empathy and was like oh i'm i'm going to put this into a, a book and into a genre that doesn't really seem very woman focused exactly. in the sense of like hey these are strong people unless it's to uh fetish size strong women uh, you're exactly right i mean <laughs> It's clear, and I can't really speak for a lot of other fantasy genres, but I mean, I know the popular stuff that was out at this time. I was not reading Wheel of Time as it was coming out back in the 90s and 2000s. Mm -hmm. I didn't get into it till later. Um, but, you know, I was reading stuff like Conan the Barbarian, which is definitely for dudes, and um, <laughs> I, Asimov and Douglas. And even though um, Douglas Adams did, you know, have... I don't know, even his female characters looking back weren't as fully realized as his male characters were. And yeah, you have an absolute point there. Um, and that's why Wheel of Time, not being sexist or generalizing, but yeah, there's a lot of female fans of the Wheel of Time. Let's see. So, oh yeah, if we end the scene with uh, Moraine looking at a clock very wistfully. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay. Or I, I didn't clock it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me chuckle. I don't know, just because it was cheesy. Uh, let's see. I want to finish talking about the, uh, the Aes Sedai before we go into Egwene and Perrin. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to talk here about Steppen and land so there we chatted before about how he had his his figures and he was praying he um feeding land some drinks also feeding land some pretty obvious lies here he's agreeing to hook up with alana and with ivan and Stepan. you know making all this big talk about you know how he's hot and he can handle a man if they can handle him i mean Anybody who's listening to this has already seen this episode, so we know this is all just bullshit Steppen's just doing so he can, you know, get everybody out of his way so he can go do his thing. So he gave all the juice, all the indica to, to Lan to knock mm -hmm. him out. Uh, Lan wakes up the next morning, and uh, we, we, yeah, he's hairy carried himself, but yes. And you know something's up right away because no one in their right mind goes to sleep one fully dressed in like warrior wear <laughs> with their hair up and like a headband on to keep that hair up. I was like, oh, this seems so uncomfortable. <laughs> He's land. That's how he sleeps all the time. He rides a saddle that way. He uh, no. makes love that way. Hell yeah. <laughs> we don't know that, but there was some wisdom water shipping going on in this episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who was it? Somebody brought that up. It was, I think it was Steppen maybe that was yeah. uh yeah, noticing what's up and lands like, mm -hmm, I, don't I know. have nothing to say about that woman. She <laughs> healed you, dude. She saved your life. Well, you know, that's the that's just the job. <laughs> All right, let's see. So, oh yeah. So from here on in this storyline, it it's all tragedy. Um 
land sees that there's only six swords on that um that thing to Malakir for the seven swords of Malakir, I think is what that is. He has, you know, done the most honorable suicide possible, but even so it's, you know, it's tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we end with the funeral. We land is obviously tore up about this. This is his best friend. Um, we, you know, we don't know this at the show, but they train together. They were kids together. Mm. I mean, they're, they're total buddies. And uh, Moraine can obviously feel his pain. Everybody in there feels the pain. He's <laughs> screaming in anguish. Um, I'm ashamed to say that me and Heather, the first time we saw this, we were kind of rolling our eyes and chuckling a little bit. It didn't catch us. Like watching it the second or third time, I think uh, was kind of more tuned into the mood. But it kind of his, his screaming and burying of the chest took me out of it just slightly, I guess. Um, what are your thoughts about this scene? I love this scene. I do have one of my questions. This is my second question of the day. Yes, sir. Can women be warders? There has never been a woman warder. All okay, so so those were there were some. I guess I said I that I did not recognize. Oh, there's us. Yeah, you knew them. It was behind them was Alana, and it was the same women that we've been seeing this whole time. Okay. Yeah, because there there was one that I was like, who? And then when they panned around, I was like, well, those people I know. So <laughs> I was wondering, like, is one of these a warder? That's pretty cool. Nah, that would be cool though. Hell yeah. Um, I was thinking, like, this is unusual. First off, for this to, this to even have happened for like a a warder to outlive his eyes to die, it's just rare. And then you know, this was what everybody expected that he would be so distraught he wouldn't be able to carry on. It's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um. At one time, you told me that either I was the yogi to your boo-boo or you were the boo-boo to my yogi. I mm-hmm, loved that. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking maybe um, during their life, maybe, maybe I'm more of the Steppen to your Alana. Where uh, you- no, let's not <laughs> say, because if I die, which, oh boy, there's so much opportunity for me to do that yeah. in the way that, because when I saw him having committed suicide i was like that's like me when frank passed away Mm. but yeah that's just weird and like we don't have that bond sir oh or i was going with that and i keep saying alana it's corinne that passed away that was his warder corinne alana is the other one that was willing to take him in but at any rate yeah because you've been doing this much longer than me so you're like older you're wiser at this whole audio thing than i am and I'm just a mortal out here, kind of like an older dude. But you took me under your wing, and we have a bond where we had like a collaboration. And I'm stronger and more powerful from it. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Let's just do, I don't know, I'm the blacksmith, and then I, I took you as an apprentice. <laughs> I want to be the blacksmith. Like We can't do it that way because I want to be parent. That's me. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't parent? Well, this is also another weird thing. I'd be like, well, what about Perrin's wife? Like, she was the blacksmith, right? Mm, no, no. Well, I, I don't know. I think they're just a blacksmith team. I mean, Perrin. Okay. Perrin I've never in, seen in the him book, as the, the blacksmith. Say again? I've never seen him as the blacksmith. I always saw. I always thought she was the blacksmith, and he was either just a helper or just her husband. Eh, I mean, the show is obviously not the books. There's so many differences. But in the book, he was a blacksmith's apprentice. And his, um, he lived with the blacksmith and the blacksmith's wife. They took him in as a kid 
to be their apprentice. What so, about this? Mm-hmm. I'm just braiding your hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, then you're going to push me into the river. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll say you got this, man. You've because, already done I mean, that. Yeah, I, I have done that of just like, yeah, the, I've taught you how to do this stuff, <laughs> but you need to figure it out. I'm not going to just. Uh, I have. I struggled, but now I'm just relaxed and just going with it, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. I, I feel like I uh, disrespected Steppen, um, but are we done talking with about the, the White Tower now and Matt and Rand and everybody, and we can move on to Perrin and Egwene? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we're back to them. Valda comes back into the room and just casually starts torturing them again. <laughs> it seems like it's just no big deal to him. Um, Last episode, you mm-hmm. were saying, oh, I thought he did a checkered board pattern. I think that's because now I, I said, oh, it looked like three claw marks. Right. But now he's doing the checkered board pattern, and that might have been in the back of your mind. It was, absolutely. When I saw this part, I automatically knew that <laughs> that's what I was talking about. Um, let's see. Perrin goes ahead and wants to confess. They they uh, did this cleanup job of Egwene. They really scrubbed her, and her hair looks all nice. So, you know, she's doing pretty good. Oh, let me scrub this computer real quick. There, it's all scrubbed and nice. Um, Perrin, they didn't bother doing that for, but he looks super cool. His hair looks awesome. I think, like, being out in the woods and sweating and shit, it, I think it enhances him. I don't know. But, you know, he's, in, he, he's not in good shape, but he's got cool hair. That's all I wanted mm-hmm. to say. Uh, yeah, Valda's pretty nonchalant about this whole thing. Egwene begins channeling, and this dumbass, like, who's dealt with multiple Aes Sedai's in the past, just lets her channel fully and lets her take a shot at him, even though he thought that she was more powerful. Is Valda the, the stupidest character in the show right now? Yeah, because there's <laughs> something that happens in maybe 40 seconds from that moment that I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? But also, so he's cutting into them. I am someone who I notice sounds around me, and it seems like an individual who is on high alert about, hey, people kind of want me dead. There's this entire faction that would like to see all these white coats just out of here. This fucker doesn't clock like, oh, what's up with the sudden uptick in wolf howls whenever I slash into this boy? <laughs> yes. Man, uh, he is startled by Perrin's eyes. He's not startled by Egwene channeling and hitting him with fire. He's startled that Perrin is just standing there like Frankenstein staring at him. And it dumbfounds him so much that Egwene is able to stab him in the back. Hell yes, yes Egwene. Oh, it's- she, I think, distracted him with the, like, tiny poof of flame because what she was really <laughs> doing was lighting Perrin's ropes on fire in order for him to break free. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, then but what? It, it, yeah. Go Then ahead. you want to know what both Nicole and I screamed at the same exact time? Please. You won't sass me like that when I can yes! summon wolves. I re- that's my last <laughs> line right here dude holy shit yep how can you deny it those wolves he summoned those wolves baby um Mm -hmm. they help them get away looks like Perrin fits right in with those guys he knows they're not they're snarling at him but he knows somehow they're not going to hurt him hell yeah Perrin both you guys came through Egwene I have a small gripe with like it's the same thing with slasher movies 
don't just stab someone a single time. Like, go <laughs> GG Allen, 99 stab wounds on them, and keep at it. There's people who can heal around here. Like, chop his head off. Do something concrete because this man hates you now and wants you dead. Yeah, and he's ran into you twice randomly, so it's probably the pattern is allowing them. You know, because he's kind of right about that. He's like, something brought you back to me. It must mean something. They all believe in the pattern that's woven, that the pattern has a purpose. Mm -hmm. So they're like, yeah. And yeah, exactly like you said. They We did not leave seeing a dead Valda body. We just left seeing Valda on the ground, hadn't gotten stabbed one time. Just going, ooh. It, he looked <laughs> like someone who had just gotten drunk and was like, I need to stand on this wall and just kind of slouch down till I'm in the sitting position. <laughs> Egwene uh, did think pretty smart, though, and she grabbed all of his eyes to die rings before they left. Mm-hmm. So hell yes, Egwene, oh, for I, that one. I didn't notice that, but hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. She grabbed the whole barrel of them. Uh, and yeah, my last note was... You won't sass me like that when I can summon wolves, motherfucker. <laughs> sure. So, okay, I wanted to do a rundown of our three river folks because remember, they don't like Asadai. They're going to figure everything out themselves. Two river folks can take care of themselves. Matt, for sure, is possessed of some sort. He's not good, but he's for sure mm-hmm. something's going on. It's Perrin, a dagger, baby. <laughs> Perrin for sure is some sort of wolf man that's been established now in this episode mm-hmm. Egwene for sure can channel we've seen it three times now that she can channel Nynaeve for sure can mega channel like big time and Ran for sure uh, you, you're a D&D guy you probably know about charisma he seems to have a, a high level of charisma he for sure can like bust down that like triple um, barricaded metal door too to escape from Dana. So every one of our five river, every one of our two rivers, five is, you know, he's got some pretty mega superpowers. They're like the, uh, the new mutants or some shit. Can um, I make a guess? Yeah, definitely. This is the time to do it. I believe the previous dragon did something Kind of like a, what is it? Not a portent. What's the uh, the thing in Harry Potter? Unfortunately, I have to bring up Harry Potter. A <laughs> horcrux. Okay. I think they the last dragon did that in a way, but instead of like putting it in artifacts, split his power up Ooh. into five individuals, and I think they are all the dragon. Oh, dang. So like there was like one of those things that runs through the street. Like in uh, like those those parades, and they're like a five five people inside mm-hmm. those dragon parades. Hell yeah, I like that idea. They're like Orochi the five headed dragon. Obviously, Nynaeve would be the head because we've seen her more. Po- I mean, I don't know. As of right now, it seems like she's the most powerful of everyone. Oh, but I forgot I, though. Rand can vomit up? up bats. That's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said uh, to I just said out loud when he was in bed, like looking terrible. I said. I threw up a wool or I threw up a bat that I didn't eat. I'm not doing well. And Nicole's like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, he threw up a bat just like out of nowhere. But we're not sure if it was real or not. And she's like, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is, uh, I mean, if we haven't summarized it well, yes. Listener, you've seen the episode, right? 
Perrin mm-hmm. and Nynaeve escape. They run into the night with the help of the wolves. Nynaeve has the rings. Hell yes. Steppen, unfortunately, is dead. Hell no. Um, Nynaeve and Rand and Matt are back together. Hell yes. Uh, and where else are we at? Moraine and Lan, they're sad. They're in mourning right now. Uh, so that's where we end this episode. Uh, you only asked me two questions so far. So do you have a third or anything else you want to go on? No, I mean, I also asked you, like, what are those mouth people called? And Okay. I mean, that's not really a question. Are they at all, even though you won't t- tell me, are they all part of the dragon? Yeah, maybe that's this, something I can't tell you. That's like spoiler alert. Maybe this dude's like really into things of, you know, Power Ranger, Super Sentai. Yeah. He's like, oh, the five come together and form the the greatest thing in the world. Also, yeah. it would be good because even if one of them dies, there is still hope if four of them exist. It won't be as powerful, but there's still hope in the world. And it also makes sure they're not going to be con- corrupted as easily because they can all help each other out. Okay, this is not a spoiler at all. And I think this kind of will answer your question. Um, Of course, I can't answer who the dragon is yet because nobody knows at this Mm -hmm. point. But it is obvious that these are Taviran. Have you heard that word getting banded about every episode or so? They say somebody is Taviran or a Taviran pull. What that means basically is they have a high level of charisma. People are drawn to them. Things happen when this person is around. Um, you know, Elvis Presley would be like a Taviran figure because, or anybody like, you know, I don't know. You get the point. Um, it's pretty well established that, that these five are all Taviran, if nothing else. And what a Taviran is basically is like, you know, not exactly the dragon, but it is a person with high charisma that has potential to be a forsaken has potential to be an Aes Sedai has potential to be a dragon has potential has great potential basically to bring people together and to be a leader. That's something that all five of these have in common. And it comes from where they come from. Manetherin, AKA the two rivers, which is strong to land. And they talked about that in the first like two episodes. Okay, I'm still going to say either they're they're all dragon or maybe the dragon had close acquaintances and they were then re mm-hmm. uh, reincarnated in right. a close proximity. Yeah, cuz like in this world too there's only like an x amount of souls, period. Mm-hmm. Let's say a million. So they're talking about the king of Manetherin, well his soul is going to come back. They're talking yeah. about Jane Farstrider. Her soul is going to come back. It's it's the wheel, Whoa. baby. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Who was the king who was like, did, hey, let's hold up all our walls? Let's hold up all our walls. And then. Yeah, the, yeah. That was the king of Manetherin. Yeah. Th- that's his dagger. And I bet fucking oh, no, no, Matt. No, that, yeah, Shadar Logoth. Yes. Yes. I bet Matt is his soul. And that's <laughs> why he was drawn to the dagger. That makes a hell of a lot of sense, dude. <laughs> right on. All right. Question time over. Right? Do you have any more yeah. questions? That's I'm done. Plugs now, baby. <laughs> plug time. Um, I'm going to let James plug first. Plug away, friend. 
Hey guys, go to MLMPod.com to listen or hear information, see information about my other podcasts, such as Mostly Speaking Sentai, Hit It in Credit, and I think that's about it. Oh, Shuffling the Deck. Then please head over to Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod, where for $5 a month you get exclusive podcasts such as the aforementioned Death From Above, a Sam and Max podcast, the Toku Reading Corner, Engage with Nicolas Cage, and This Existed. It's a great time. It's fun. Go check it out. And listen to my music under Marshland Monster. Ooh, baby. That's all I have. <laughs> That's all I have. That's like a million goddamn things, man. I did that in like a minute. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying you do. You do a lot. You do a lot of podcasts, and I'm I'm honored that you give me time to do one with me as well. So thank you, sir. I'm also producing for a. a, I'm producing a couple secret albums for other people. Be on the lookout for that. Oh, baby. I guess am I the producer of this podcast? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I feel like I feel like you are because I defer to you. But yeah, yeah, I do the outline and I'm editing and all that BS. So yeah. I need to work with you about how to get on app. Not I take that back. I'm just going to probably like send you a couple of random texts saying I did this. <laughs> I need to get on Apple podcasts. I've been trying it's, to do that. And it's I'm having a very hard time with that link. It's crazy that because every time I've made a podcast, it's automatic. It does it on its own. <laughs> and I do, it's weird that it's not doing that for you. I, I do all kinds of things wrong, James. You should know this about me by now. <laughs> well, let me do my plugs now. I'm going to plug my band, Introvoid, which, as I said, my ghost member Sam and I have been hard at work on new material. Uh, Rebecca Crow is something else you could also check out. That is uh, three songs we have on Spotify right now, and we had a band practice just before this record. We're still going strong. My biggest plug I want to say is this podcast, not the one that you just listened to, but in general, I want to plug our Instagram, which is Sweet Child of Time Pod on Instagram. We have a Gmail account, Sweet. Oh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Sweet. Child of Time Pod at gmail.com. I think mm-hmm. I sputtered that correctly. And what else do we have? Oh, we have the Discord. James, he keeps talking about Marshland Monster, Marshland Media. He's also got a Discord that's pretty popping. He put a little channel on there for us, the Sweet Child of Timesies. So you can join us on there. The link is on both of our Instagrams, or just write us and talk to us and rock on, y'all. But that was it for Blood After Blood. Next week, we're going to begin episode six. But for now, we're going to say goodbye to all our listeners, but especially to James. I'm going to say, my friend, may you always find water and shade, friend. And may you always find water and shade as well, friend. Peace. Bye, everybody. Bye.